The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 in your copies of God's Word. Acts chapter 1, God's Word is true, infallible, inerrant, and sufficient for all of faith and practice. As believers, we build our lives on it, and we look through life from it. Would you look with me now at Acts chapter 1? This is God's Word, the truth. And I want to begin reading in verse 1. In the first book, now that's referring to the book of Luke. O Theophilus, I, that's referring to Luke, who had been commissioned by the Spirit of God under the Apostle Paul to write this, these two books. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord abides forever by his grace and mercy. May his word be preached for you. Please be seated. We are at an interesting point in our study of the creed. He ascended into heaven. It's interesting. In the Reformed Church, out of the Reformation, here is a truth that we embrace, but we don't really celebrate it as I think we ought. And I've been thinking now for two weeks why. And um, we just don't. And I'm trying to think my way through it why. I think we ought. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb, give you the saw. I believe in the creed 
in the section on Jesus, this I believe in Jesus, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, body and buried, soul descended to Hades. And then he on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the father from there. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe ascended into heaven is the ultimate symbol clashing moment in the creed. Harry, what about the resurrection? I believe that's the penultimate moment. <laughs> that's the one you got to have to get here. But the resurrection was designed to be affirmed in the celebration and coronation of Jesus. And what's interesting to me, you got this creed that starts off with the declaration. And remember, a creed, this creed, is a collection of not all the essentials, but the essentials. You believe more than you find in the creed, but you don't believe less. First of all, it gives you your created identity from God the Father. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Then it goes immediately to his son. And of the 100 Latin words that the creed comprises of, 75 belong to, uh, are on Jesus. And it doesn't say anything about what Jesus teaches. It only focuses on who he is and what he's done. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. Then it, what does he do? What about his life? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, descended into Hades, into hell. She, Sheol, Hades. And that is that flow that you find in Philippians 2 of the humiliation of Christ. That humiliation is the descent even to the implications and consequences, the separation of the soul and the body in his atoning death. Tomb buried, soul to paradise, Hades, Sheol. But he did not abandon the soul of the Messiah to Sheol, Hades, and he did not allow his body to suffer corruption. The third day he arose. Now we start the exaltation. But this is the penultimate moment in his exaltation. The ultimate, he ascended into heaven. Seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. But interestingly, in the life of the church, the first part of what Jesus has done, we celebrate. We call that Advent season, don't we? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Remember joy to the world, the Lord has come. <laughs> Remember those hymns? Remember that great celebration we have? And rightly so. And... We celebrate, contemplate, and reflect on suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, and descended. Third day he arose. We call that Holy Week. He ascended into heaven. But much of the professing church does not bring much emphasis to that aspect in the calendar. Now, let me go ahead and quickly say, uh, the church calendar is a matter of an, ass an assisted instrument. It has no obligation on conscience. So... Uh, that, that's the, the only the obligation in worship on conscience is the Lord's day. And uh, but the church calendar has been used as a teaching tool and as an opportunity for outreach around these. But why is it 
we don't deal with ascension and what affirms the ascension. Harry, what is the ascension? What affirms the ascension? Pentecost. No Pentecost without the ascension. How do I know there's ascension? Pentecost. I must go away to send the Holy Spirit to you. So here is the other helper. I must send him to you. In fact, but I don't think it's just a matter of the church. I think it's a matter of us as individuals. How many times have people come to me and said to me, you know, Pastor, I just love living for Jesus. But man, I'd have given anything in the world to have been alive when he was alive. And I said, really? Yeah. And I said, uh, wow. Jesus says, actually, you're better off living now than then. Well, when did he say that? Oh, he said that to people that were living then. In fact, if I could, can I ask you a hypothetical question? And may I ask you, do not answer out loud. Hypothetical question. If you were given the power and authority to tell, to, to make this decision, would you want Jesus where he is right now or sitting next to you in the pew? Which would you choose? Right? Do not answer. In your heart, silently. Almost all of us, our, at least our inclination is uh, right here, right here. Then you're making a lesser choice. Now, I know we have an inclination for it. In fact, we are all waiting for the blessed hope. We, we all heard what Jesus said. Uh, uh, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come again to take you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. We want to be with him. But right now, it's better that his glorified body is at the right hand of the Father on the throne for you than if he was sitting in the pew next to you. And I know that because he told the disciples that. He told them he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I'm going to go away from you and then I'm going to send you another helper. And as he tells them he's going to go away from them, as he tells them he's going to go away from them, they do not like that. And he sees that they do not like that. So he says to them, it is better for you that I go away. It will be better for you that I go away. Well, if it was true for them, it's true for you. It's better for until he comes again, it's better for him to be where he is than to be sitting right next to you. And I hope to convince you of that in the next few minutes. So we go to the last time that we go to the passage of Scripture that records the last day, the last hours and the last minutes that Jesus was bodily with us until he bodily comes again. It's in Acts chapter 1. We just read it. And in it, we're informed that Jesus has been risen. 
The text tells us he is risen. The text tells us that he has been in ministry in his resurrected, glorified body. And so, on the third day, the soul came from the place of the dead uh, in terms of the soul. That is, Abraham's bosom, paradise, Hades, that dimension of Hades for the blessed of comfort and assurance, that intermediate state. And then his body came out of the tomb and there it was reunited. And there they saw him and there they were with him and he was with them. And he said, the Bible tells us in Acts 1 that he appeared with them. Many appearances, many proofs of his resurrection, many appearances of his resurrection, many works and teaching that he did during his post-resurrection, pre-ascension for 40 days and 15 of them are recorded for are you in your Bible. And now comes a Sabbath day outside of Jerusalem near Bethany on the Mount of Olives and three times it tells you he was taken up into the heavens. Third day he arose He ascended into heaven. That tells you what. The creed is affirming the authenticity and reality of a place called heaven. It's not a concept. It's not a theory. It's where Jesus is now. And where he will stay until he comes again. So... People send me email. Jesus showed up here. Jesus showed up there. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) I don't follow that. Jesus, in fact, warned me that in the last days, people are going to say he's over here and he's over there. He said, oh, you know where I am. I'm at the right hand of the father until he comes again. That's where he is. And this ascended Jesus is there, seated, not in passivity but in unbelievably beneficial activity and work. That Jesus is at work ascended because of his finished descended work, he now has an ascended work. The passage you just read uh, that we confess together from Ephesians that goes right with the passage we just read that records the last moments of Jesus. And then the disciples returned from the from the Mount of Olives. Now, people always ask me, Harry, do you take people to the Mount of Olives on your trips? I do. And I tell them, you're standing on the Mount where Jesus went up. And I believe, according to the minor prophets, this is the place where he returns. Do you know where on the Mount of Olives? I do. Near Bethany. Yeah, but can you be more specific? Sorry. No, but there are seven different organizations that if you give them five dollars, they'll take you right where they think it happened. I can get you on the mountain. I can get you near Bethany, but that's it. That's all I can tell you. And I can tell you he's coming back in like manner, according to Acts. Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? Where's Jesus? He's in the heavens. He is enthroned in celebrated coronation. He is enthroned. And that's where they were looking in praise and adoration. And then he says, okay, y'all got a job to do. Remember what he commanded you? Don't stand here looking up. It's time to go to work. And then they departed. But before they departed, he said, he'll come in like manner. This one taken up into the clouds. I don't think that means it was partly cloudy that day. 
I think the clouds is referring to that cloud that settled to show the presence of God and the Holy Spirit's Shekinah glory that descended in the tabernacle, that descended in the temple. That is what Jesus ascends up into the glory of the Lord. And when he comes again, he will come on the clouds, the Shekinah glory of God. But he can't ascend in celebrated victory and coronation as Messiah, Redeemer, King, unless he first descends. That's why Ephesians quotes from the Old Testament and a common experience, not a common, but an actual experience that people in the first century would be well aware of from history and from the present. You cannot ascend in victory until you descend into the battle. Who is he who ascended into the heavens, but he who descended to the lower parts of the earth? And now he is ascended. And we are told five things about him in that brief confession from Ephesians 4. Number one, where is he? He's in the heavens. Number two, who's with him? Those who are his captives. He led host. He led heavenward, ascended with a host of captives. Thirdly, he is ascended until he fills all things. Fourthly, he is giving gifts to men. Fourthly, he is giving gifts to men. So he is filling all things. He is seated in the heavens. He is giving gifts and he has redeemed his enemies. They are now his captives. And then he has done this because he fifthly first descended in his humiliation. He now is in exaltation, the ultimate statement of celebration and coronation. Let me give you the picture, folks. Here's the picture. It would have been very common to their understanding. Uh, one of the great challenges of preaching is not so much to get the Bible to the 21st century, but to get us first back to the first century. They would have known exactly what this is. Here's what happens. You've got a king. You've got a ruler. You've got a, uh, a Caesar. And they are in the palace. And the palace is up on a hill. And they are on their throne. But there's these enemies that need to be uh, defeated. So they come down and they come down and descend into the valley where you have the battle. Remember David and Goliath in the valley. There's where you meet the enemy, in the valley for the battle that's there. And then once the battle is over and you've won the victory, now the king, the warrior king, victorious, returns and ascends back up to the city in its ascent and then ascends back up into the city to be to take his seat again on the throne with all of the victory accolades for the achievement of his battles, his battle success. You remember a guy named Nebuchadnezzar? He comes down from a from uh, uh, he comes down um, from the from Babylon he descends down to Israel. He conquers Jerusalem. And then he goes back taking the 
booty from the temple and captives, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, the king. That's the picture. The king goes down in his war chariot. He wins the battle. He comes back on the chariot. And the chariot is piled up with the booty of the victory. And tethered to the chariot are the representative authorities and principalities and powers and enemies that have been now captured, defeated and captured. And now he ascends back up into victory. And in the ascent, with the booty in the chariot, and the captives led captive in the ascent, he begins to take the, the prized uh, booty from the, from the battle and the war. And he begins to throw it from the chariot out to the people. And from the throne, he gives it out. Now, we don't... See, we don't live in a monarchy, so we have a hard time with that. Um, the closest thing we do is a presidential inauguration. In fact, I've got a gift from, um, there's a guy that most of you all don't know about. His name was Ike. He won the World War II commanding general. He got to be made president, and then they inaugurated him. And my daddy and mother gave me, when he got inaugurated, I was just a little uh, five, six-year-old, and I now have a little, my nickname was Ike, and I have a little button that says, I like Ike. And they gave all those things out from the inaugurated president. I like Ike. But that inaugurations aren't the same thing as what we're looking at here. I like what Dr. Ferguson shared with us. He's old enough to what he was there in 1953 when Queen Elizabeth was coronated. And he says, and all the citizens received a gift on the day of her coronation. So here's Jesus, King. He descends and he humbles himself into the battle. He wins the victory and he comes back with all of the prizes. And tethered are those whom he has defeated. That's you. That's sin. That's Satan. That's death. That's hell. That's the grave. And that's you. For while we were yet enemies... Christ died for us. And now we are tethered to the King by grace and love. And he, when He ascended, we ascended with Him. We are joint heirs with Christ. We're in Him and He is in us. We belong to Him and He belongs to us. That's the picture that is being given to it. Do you see why this is so glorious? This is the ultimate statement of victory to celebrate. The ultimate, now the coronation of the Messiah King as prophet, priest, and king. Now the, now his coronation has taken place and there he is. And as he ascends, we get, from the Latin we get a word called session. You know, when, um, 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 there was a little song that we used to sing when I was a teenager. Court's in session and here come the judge. Well, actually, that's opposite. It's when the judge comes, the court's in session. When the co- judge comes in, what do they say? The court is what? 
now in session. Now Jesus has taken his seat over the kingdom of God that is at work by the gospel of God, the grace of God to spread to all the nations. He is now in session. As he ascends, we use this language every Sunday. Now, we don't have our worship folders right now, but you remember back when you had a worship folder before they were contaminated or whatever they are? You remember that? Well, remember the first hymn? What was it called? The psalm or the hymn of what? Ascent. Remember in the Bible, the psalms of ascent. As the people would come up the hills of Zion to Mount Zion, to Temple Mount, they would sing the psalms of ascent to to enter into worship. What Jesus does and what we now do because he is enthroned, we ascend not up to the earthly Jerusalem, but to the heavenly Jerusalem. Not to a type king, but to the king of kings. To give him praise and glory. We ascend in worship because he ascended in victory. And has the victory. And is coronated in victory in glory. So there he is in that moment. And now he's giving gifts to men. Now he will keep giving those gifts until his kingdom fills all things then he shall come again to judge the living and the dead well let me give you a takeaway for this the takeaway that I'd love for you to embrace and see at this point is uh, is this um, is this statement Jesus here, when, you, when you get to this point of the Apostles' Creed, don't just skip by it. When you get to this point, here's what you're saying. He is he has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand. He's in session. He is the celebration of his victory and coronation of the king. Jesus, having finished the work of redemption for his people, is in celebration, has ascended to heaven for his coronation, where he is now at work upon his his people. He he had now watch folks, he has finished the work of our redemption, but he hasn't finished working on the redeemed. He is gathering them, he is bringing them, he is sending them, he is perfecting them, he is growing them, he is with them, he is he is he is overshadowing them, he is interceding for them. He's finished the work of redemption, but he hasn't finished working on the redeemed. Can I show you just something very interesting in that Acts 1 text that we read earlier? You remember at the beginning it says, O Theophilus, this is the second volume I am writing to you. The first volume was all that Jesus, do anybody remember what it said? Began to do and teach. Well, if the first volume, the Gospel of Luke, was what Jesus began to do and teach, what do you think the second volume is? What Jesus is continuing to do. Not here. That's in Buck One that looks at the incarnate earthly ministry of Christ. 
Now, his heavenly ministry through body number two, the church, empowered by the Spirit of God, is what he is continuing to do and teach. He has finished the work of redemption. He is now working on the redeemed, working in the redeemed, working to the redeemed, working through the redeemed. That's what he is continuing to do. And the disciples got it. In other words, if the disciples had been here and I said at the beginning of the sermon, uh, Mr. Peter, Mr. John, Mr. Jane, if I, if I said to all of them, I said, if you could bring Jesus here, by the way, I know you were with him, but if you could bring Jesus here right now, would you bring him here right now? Or do you think it's better for him to be there? They'd said, no, not only is it better, we're glad he's there and not here. We're glad because of what it means and what it produces. Now, Harry, do you, do you think you can channel and ask them? No. The reason I know is because the Bible tells me so. You got, you remember Acts chapter one that just recorded the moment of Jesus' ascension? Well, in the first volume, Luke, like a good author, finished that volume with a paragraph to get you ready for the next volume and make sure you bought the next book. So go to Luke chapter 24 and go to the last paragraph of Luke chapter 24. It's just back a couple of books in your Bible. Just go backwards. And there you get to Luke 24. And when you get to Luke 24, when you get to Luke 24, I want you to read this with me. This is a summation of what he is now expounding in Acts 1 that we just read. Then he, that's Jesus, led them, that's the disciples and those that were with him, out as far as Bethany, that's on the Mount of Olives, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was, here it is, he ascended, carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, if this had happened um, 35, 40 days, I mean, uh, 55, uh, 60 days ago, they'd have had a pity party. Because we don't want you to go. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. But now when he goes, not says he's going to go, actually does go from their sight into heaven. They can't see him anymore. They return to Jerusalem with great joy. And by the way, the Greek is very, I mean, the English is very insufficient here. Let me try to give you the Greek in this. They return to Jerusalem rejoicing with joy. Their, their joy was rejoicing. Their rejoicing was joy. They were rejoicing with joy. And as they turned rejoicing with joy, it says, and they were continually in the temple. They went back and they worshiped God at the place where they would gather for worship, having, having seen him. Go, no, no, no pity party. No questions. No concerns. Oh, we'd rather you stay. No, no. All of that's dismissed now. They've been convinced it is better for Jesus to be where he is. Why? Because he's going to fill all things from there. Why? He's going to send the kingdom from there. Why? He's going to send the Holy Spirit from there. Why? Because it celebrates his victory. He couldn't go back if he hadn't come down. And he couldn't go back if he hadn't won the victory when he came down. So this is better. 
This is celebration in his coronation. And by the way, he's also given us a promise that we'll yet be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. But right now, it's better that he's there. Why? Because he's given the gifts. What does that mean? That means we can do what he's given us a commission to do. Let me try to prove that to you, that they understood that. Take your Bibles and go back one more book to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. One more book. Go to Mark chapter 16 that gives us the Mark um, distillation of the Great Commission. In the 16th chapter, that is right at the end of the Gospel of Mark. And when you get to the end of the Gospel of Mark, just for the sake of time, go on down to verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. So we're back at the ascension and sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, now you see why our creed is saying this. Seated at the right hand of God. He is ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now they went out to fulfill the Great Commission, worshiped the Lord, and went out to fulfill the Great Commission. Now look what it says. While the Lord worked with them. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Where is the Lord? This isn't hard. Please tell me you know this. He's at the right hand of the Father. Where are they? On the earth. And as they obey the Great Commission, he's with them. In fact, he'd already told them that. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How can he be with them when his glorified body is there at the right hand of the Father, the Lamb standing as if slain? How can he be with them? By His Spirit. The same Spirit that was there in the womb, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was there in the manger. The same Spirit that was with Jesus in the womb, with Jesus in the manger. The same Spirit that was, that, uh, that ordained Him, that was poured out upon Him when He entered into the public ministry of prophet, priest, and king at His baptism. And the Holy Spirit was poured upon Him in His ordination. And the same Holy Spirit that led him in the wilderness. The same Holy Spirit that helped him grow in wisdom, stature, favor with God and favor with man. The same Holy Spirit that was with him as he taught in the Galilee. Romans 4, uh, Romans and Hebrews. The same Holy Spirit that led him to the cross. The same Holy Spirit that brought his body out of the tomb and his soul from Sheol. That Holy Spirit who was with him from the womb to the tomb. Now, all the way back to the throne. When Jesus gets to the throne, he now pours that spirit upon his people. That's why uh, Paul loved to call the Holy Spirit after the ascension of Jesus, the spirit of Christ. The one that was with Christ from womb to tomb to throne is the Holy Spirit that is with you from your new birth when you're born again until he takes you to glory. He is with you and me. Now, if he's sitting right here, he can't be with you and me. He's with you. He dwells in your heart by his spirit through faith from the throne. He's with us. And he's not with us sitting next to us on the pew. He's in us. 
We've got a lot more intimacy than sitting pew to pew. Or, was it one guy said, this is social distancing has been good for Presbyterian. It's gotten us closer together. There's a joke there. But the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ, Jesus is at work, not beside you simply, but in you, on you, upon you, and through you. That's what's happening. So, it's better that he's there. Why? Because he's gifting us. He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit affirmed at Pentecost. We've got the gift. Sinclair Ferguson has got a mug with Queen Elizabeth's picture on it. I've got I like Ike button. But Jesus gave himself from the throne through his spirit to you. And it's better. Harry, how do you know it's better? I know it's better because if he didn't do it, you wouldn't have your Bible. You wouldn't have a New Testament. If he had not sent his spirit to bring to their minds all that he had taught them. If he didn't send his spirit, you would not be converted. You'd still be dead in your sins because you've got to be born again by the spirit of God. If he didn't send his spirit, you would have no assurance of your salvation. How do we how are we assured of our salvation? His spirit bears witness with our spirit. It's better. I'd love to have him. And I look forward to the day I'll be with him in all eternity. But right now he's with me by his spirit who was in him. Now he has sent to me and to you. Now you can have a true intimacy, not just side to side or see him up on the mountain talking and wonder, can I hear him? Now, he's right within you. There'd be no church. There would be no gospel going to all the nations. All those sweet international people that are a part of Briarwood. They wouldn't be converted. Well, neither would you. And you know what? You wouldn't care. If the Holy Spirit had been sent to us. We'd be dead in our sins. Headed for a Christless eternity. If Pentecost hadn't happened and the risen Savior sent forth the gift of the Holy Spirit to his church and upon his people, there would be no fruit of the Spirit. You wouldn't be able to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. There would be no fulfillment of the Great Commission. There would be no spiritual. Every one of you have a spiritual gift. You wouldn't have a, whole, you wouldn't have a spiritual gift if the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent. Yes, it is better. Here's what, let me put it this way. There, there would be no paragraph three to the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, that church throughout all the nations, throughout all time. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body of life. You can forget that paragraph. That one's done. If Jesus isn't ascended. And from his celebration and coronation poured forth the spirit of God and he's given you the gift of intercession he's given you the gift of intercession he who prayed while he was here ever lives to pray for you even now he intercedes for us right now he is interceding for us and you remember that Holy Spirit 
you've got a double safety net. When you pray, not only does Jesus intercede for you, and not only do you pray to the Father through Jesus, who takes your petitions to the throne room, but the Holy Spirit, whom he sent to you, intercedes for you. you know, I, I, when I pray, and I wish I prayed more and more, and we need to pray more and more, and I've got a proposal to you for, in terms of prayer that I want to give to you uh, in the next week or so as a congregation. But here's, when we pray, I don't put my confidence in prayer. I put my confidence in God and the mediatorial work of Christ and that Jesus translates my prayers. He is my intercessor. And even before it gets to Jesus, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I got two intercessors and I need both of them as he intercedes with groanings too deep for words for us. And not only that. We have the gift of his promised return. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. And when he comes, I need not fear. Praise God because he is sin. I don't have to fear. Listen, the Bible tells me there's going to be pestilences, COVID-19. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of war. There's going to be all those things. And one day you're going to die. Praise God because he's ascended and he is king and Lord. And now by his spirit is with me. I don't fear death anymore. When I hit it, it's going to be the valley of the shadow of death. And he'll be with me by his spirit. And he's already won the victory over it. Pestilence, COVID-19, bubonic plague, whatever it is. Yes, be careful. Yes, be prudent. Yes, all of those things. But we are not under the slavery of fear. Rumors of wars. We are not under the slavery of fear. And do not, please do not misrepresent me. I love it when a nation is impacted by the gospel of grace so that its government and its founding documents bear the witness of the the Judeo-Christian biblical principles and realize what lane they're supposed to be in and what God-given rights are that they're supposed to protect. I long for that. I see its attack right now. I see its dissipation. I do a 10-minute program every day on it. But I'll tell you one thing. I am not fearful. I am not fearful. Even though if this nation apostatizes, I am not fearful. We do not walk in victory because of government assistance. We walk in victory because we have a king. And the king has sent his spirit. And he has gifted us. And we are his ambassadors. And he says, you shall be my witnesses with power to all the nations of the world. That's why I love he ascended into heaven and he's in session and he's ruling and reigning and he is doing his intercession and he is coming again and he's promised to after he's filled all things in his kingdom throughout all the world. You remember Mary after the resurrection? She's holding on. You remember what Jesus said to her? Don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my Father. Don't hold me here. It's better. Now, he's already been with the Father. He already commended his hands into the Spirit. In Sheol, he'd already been with the Father of Paradise. But he hadn't been to the throne. That's where he's going. Don't hold me here. Don't try to hold on to me. 
I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Now go tell the disciples what I just told you. Go to the world and tell them there's a lamb who was slain, who now stands, who is king, and announce the majesty and glory of his cross and his crown. He's in session until he fills all things. Let's pray. We just take a few moments in silent prayer while the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. If today you're here and you say, you know, Pastor, I'm still captivated by sin and I want to be part of captivated by grace in Jesus. Well, the king just called you. The king just said, come to you. He just said, come to him. And he said it to you. And the church has now extended that by the spirit of God to you. Do not blaspheme the spirit and turn away from Jesus. He alone is your hope. He came for you. He descended for you. He ascended in victory. Now come to him. Put your trust in him. That you might walk in the triumph of Christ. And then would you let us know so that we can help you grow in Christ. Jesus, would you now, may I ask you, would you fill your people with great joy in the ascension and the evidence of the ascension the gift and gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. The gift and the gifts that come from your intercession. And the gift and the gifts of your promised return. Do that, O oh Jesus, I pray in your name. King. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.